Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, fellow travelers, I'm Lori Gottlieb. I'm the author of Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, and I write the Dear Therapist column for The Atlantic. And I'm Guy Winch. I wrote Emotional First Aid, and I write the Dear Guy column for TED. And this is Dear Therapists. So many of you have been asking for new episodes of Dear Therapists, and we have good news. Guy and I are hard at work getting season two of our show ready for all of you. But while you're waiting, we wanted to share this conversation that the two of us had recently on Instagram Live, where we answered some of your questions and took you behind the scenes of Dear Therapists. Before we jump in, if you want to follow us on Instagram, I'm at Lori Gottlieb underscore author, and Guy is at Guy Winch. And if you missed any episodes from season one or just want to hear them again, now's a great time to catch up. Okay, here's our conversation. We are so thrilled that so many of you have listened to our very first season of Dear Therapist. It has been such a journey getting this to you, producing all of these episodes, reading the thousands of letters that have come in. I wish we could get to all of them. And that's why we're doing a season two and hopefully more. But all of you who have listened, shared, uh, told us how the advice uh, worked for you, um, told us how something that we said to somebody resonated with you. Somebody wrote, they almost skipped over the episode with Liam because they thought that it wouldn't relate to them. And yet it related so much to this person because of, you know, these issues of how much do I please my family of origin and how much do I please myself? And how to communicate with your siblings and how to communicate with your parents. I mean, it's all about relationships, essentially, and those are transferable. It's all the same. Yeah. So we have so many questions that came in, mm-hmm. and I think we're going we're gonna to get right to them. We wanted to just take you behind the scenes of our, of our very first season. Yes. And, and I just want to say something like we, there were so many letters we couldn't get to and it hurts us. <laughs> it hurts to say no to some letters. Know that if you wrote to us and we didn't get to you, it was painful not. Some of you, we might get to in the second season, but keep sending in those letters because it makes a huge impact for everyone who sees them. Yeah. And a lot of times we, there are common themes in the letters too. So if we didn't get to your specific letter, hopefully you got something out of a letter that was similar. Yes. Yep. But let's get to the questions because we yeah, have a yeah, ton yeah. of them. Yep. All right. I'd love to know how you prepare for the sessions. So I think people would probably be surprised. You know, what's what's great about what we do is very much we want to give you the experience of what would happen in a real therapy session. And so when somebody comes in, we don't prepare in advance. 
Um, they sit down and we have a real human connection in the moment with somebody. And that's what we're trying to do on the podcast and to give you, the listener, the experience as well. So we get the letter, um, we have the, the pseudonym for the person, and we never call them by their actual name because we will slip up. We've learned from experience. So um, all we have is the letter and the pseudonym, and off we go. And what's interesting is that we then haven't spoken about it among ourselves. Lori and I don't speak about it. So it's not only that we don't know exactly what's going to unfold, we don't know what the other person is thinking. I don't know what Lori's thinking about the letter and where this should go. She doesn't know what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking about where this should go. And that's part of the fun for us to be in that moment as two therapists who really have to not just figure out what's best for the person, but where the other person is going and how to find that common ground. And I think that part of what's been so exciting for us to discover, because you can't know this until you do it, is that oh, well, we actually can do a good job of like getting each other and finding common ground as therapists that we can spontaneously in a moment take that person to and the listeners as a result. And that's been really working well where we weren't sure it would. So so that's been a blessing. Yeah, and I think the advantage of having two therapists, so I think that the, for anyone who writes into us, what you're getting is you're getting sort of a twofer. You're getting two therapists where you would normally in a therapy session have one and so I will see Guy go off onto something that maybe I hadn't thought of, but then I think, oh, that's a really good path to go down. And I will go there with him and vice versa. And so we really complement each other. I think having two therapists really benefits the person that we're working with in that moment. We have a producer who pre-interviews people and we don't hear any of this. So our producer knows more about the guest, and we call them fellow travelers, than we do at the start of that session, which is really interesting because he always says to us after, he's like, I had no idea it was going to go in that direction. And I think that's the beauty of what we're doing. We're not just giving advice. We're helping people to self-reflect. We're helping people to perspective take. We're helping to see them something that doesn't come across maybe right away in a letter. So when our producer reads a letter, he reads it a certain way. But when we read a letter, we read it in a very different way. We know we're not going to just deal on the surface of this question. There's a lot here to unpack in order to really help this person by the end of those 50 minutes. Right. And we do see the person on Zoom because as therapists, we need to see their face. We need to see if they're tearing up. We need to see when they're looking away. That's, you know, you don't get to see that as, as listeners. But we do is just very important information for therapists to see, you know, emotional expression on the face is just very, very uh, useful. And somebody asked one of the questions that we got was, well, would we put this on YouTube at some point? Mm. And uh, that's not something that we know right now, because, again, there's an anonymity aspect here, right? Because we want the people to feel comfortable. We want no one to worry that now they're being exposed, they're giving them fake names, pseudonyms. And so that's something we're discussing, but it would have to have a technical feat of obscuring or whatever it is so it's a it's a not yet and we'll see answer to the question about zoom yeah i will say that that the one thing we try to do to help you come into the room with us even though you can't see the person is we will comment in the moment like oh i see you're tearing up or what just happened there i saw an expression on your face or when we have a couple or we had a mother and a daughter to say oh i saw the way that you reacted to what she just said we can see it in their body we can see it in their faces and so we call that out for you so that you can experience that as well what sometimes we we also call out ourselves like sometimes i will tear up or guy will have an emotional reaction to somebody. And we will say that in the moment. Um, and we have, if you go back and listen to the podcast, you'll hear, 
oh, wow, you know, I'm that that really was beautiful. I'm tearing up or something like that. I, I want to get to a second question, Laurie, because yeah. I think it's a really good one. And that is, what is your hardest situation during the first season? Who was the hardest to help? And for me, it was Molly. So when my son was crying, I remember one time she came down the hallway, pushed me out of the way to get to his room and pick him up. At one point, she would tell me, just because you gave birth doesn't make you a mother. So that was very hurtful to wow. me. Mm. So, uh, you know, these, uh, these, these comments are so devastatingly cruel. Yeah, it was, just, it was very hurtful. Yeah. Molly's father's suicide was the name of the episode. And you, first of all, my heart went out to her. I think everyone's heart went out to her. But my feeling was also, I want to do more than just that one session, that, that one thing that we suggested. I want to really talk to her more and help her more. I just felt like this is someone who could really use it and someone who really touched me that I really wanted to help. So for me, it was the hardest doing that just one-off with Molly when I felt like, oh no, there's more that we need here. I think that what's great is she made so much movement at the end of that um, that I think she was really ready for. And I think what it's going to do is she is going to get that help. It just will be with a different set of therapists or single therapist. For me, I think the hardest episode was the person that I think was hardest was Scott's wife's affair. And I, I kind of looked at her and said, what's going on? And she said something like, I'm, I'm sorry. And so in my head, I guess I thought it was over. She was definitely crying and sad. The next day I tried to do things that she said she wanted to do. I was like, let's go hiking. Let's take the kids hiking. Scott, in your mind, you thought I'll do things that she likes to do and then we'll just move past this. Or did you think that there would be a process by which you had to understand what had happened with her, with you, with the relationship in your mind? How are you going to recover from this as a couple? I did think that therapy would be very important. We've never done anything like that before. I think so. it was really hard because he was in a place that, you know, really common when the wife was very ambivalent about staying in that relationship and her reasons for staying in that relationship were very, you know, not much about him. And I think that he interpreted her responses in the way that he wanted to hear that. He really wanted this marriage to last and he wanted her to be in love with him the way he was in love with her and she was in a very different place and it was heartbreaking when it's very heartbreaking when you see someone in so much pain and they're in so much pain that they they have to remain in denial because they can't really tolerate that level of pain yet and so we kind of pierced the veil of his denial a bit just enough to get him to kind of see um to get him on a path of how can you kind of um, see this a little bit more clearly as you move forward. So that one was really challenging. And that, you know, that was really tough. And we actually, the intervention we gave him, the assignment we gave him, we thought would be the thing that would truly pierce the veil of denial. <laughs> we gave him the most direct question. And even when we suggested it to him, we were both feeling like, oh God, this is going to be painful. Yeah. And, and yet it pierced it a little, it pricked it a little bit, but the denial, I think, was still a little bit there for him. I, we hope over time that that would fade away, but, but we thought we were like doing this big thing and it turned out that it's still, the denial was still strong because when you have hope and you want something to work out, you will ignore a lot of information that tells you otherwise sometimes. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because while we're helping you to see what happens in therapy, we only get one session. And I think that the hopeful part of this and what we love so much about doing the podcast is you can see that there's this myth about therapy that you have to be in therapy for this really long time before any change happens. Change should happen right away, even if it's small, like a tiny imperceptible step. So you can see after one session with these people, because we get the reporting back, we get the what happened after, you can see how every single person has made some sort of shift after just one session. And I think that that's something you can apply in your own lives. You know, what did I take away from this episode and how could I make some shift in my life right now this week? Yep, excellent. Yeah. What's the next question? Um, what, how do you pick the letters that get made into an episode? I think that's a really easy question. And that's that we feel like most questions are universal. And the hard part is eliminating questions. The, the easy part is picking the questions there. We, we could literally pick any question from the box and it would probably make for a, a worthwhile episode. But I think that we pick the ones that aren't too long, aren't too short uh, <laughs> and, and have just enough detail for us to kind of see whether there's something there. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dear Therapist today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dear Therapists. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Lori Gottlieb. And I'm Guy Winch. And this is Dear Therapists. Somebody asked, what episode do you each relate to personally? Guy, you want to start? Yeah, for me, um, it was Libby's self-induced stress. I do feel like the way that like the college system and everything is set up is that you kind of have to go through this in your teenage years. Like there's not really much time for taking it easy or just like taking a step back, especially because I know so many other kids are competing it's just, I, I do think I understand it makes me happy. I just, I don't know if I'm able to do that to reach my goals. Olivia was the 16-year-old 
young woman who uh, was a overachiever and put incredible amount of stress to excel, 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 and do everything possible at the expense of having uh, enough of a life. And that's a battle I wage on a regular basis, primarily because I really love my work. There's just so many interesting things that I can do in my work. There's so many great opportunities that come along. It's hard to say no to some of them, in essence, but I do need to balance that with having a life and being able to relax and not being overly stressed. So it's something that I really relate to because it's, a, it's an ongoing thought and battle that I have to be mindful of and I have to be cautious about in my own life, to be honest. For me, the one that I related to most was um, Jeff's critical parents. I called my mom and it was a snotty crying mess and told her, when you say those things, it makes me feel really bad. And I've been working really hard to accept myself and love myself. And it just really hurts. I'd appreciate if you didn't. And her response was something along the lines of, you think you've got problems, get over it. Like I, I deal with these things too. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. This was somebody who was married, had, had a new baby and his parents were making critical comments to him, to his wife, um, and even about the baby. <laughs> it's like a, a newborn baby. Um, and, and I think that, you know, for people who grew up with critical parents, and I certainly have some experience with that, I've written about it in maybe you should talk to someone about my relationship with my mother. There's, there's a lot to unpack there around what it means to be an adult and how easily we regress to that you know, being being 12, being 16 again in the face of a, a just a comment or a look that your parent gives you. And all of a sudden you're back in that place of I'm helpless in the face of this person who's criticizing me. And I think that we really helped Jeff so much in that episode and, and it had so much personal resonance for me, too. It was something that I had to do on my own um, emotional journey throughout the years. And, and I hope that Jeff will carry that with him. Yeah, Jeff was a great person. I really hope he's doing well. Yeah. Next question. Do you want to read the next question, Lori? Which person do you think made the most progress, someone asked? Uh, yes. Um, I think um, both Shannon and Shrina um, made the most progress. And by the way, I think, as Lori said, everyone did. I think everyone really did a good job of moving forward in some kind of way. Shannon, she wrote to us saying that she's dreading the holidays because of this recent divorce that she had. And her follow-up voicemail was such that the joy in her voice was very clear that she reclaimed these holidays and she had an amazing time. And just hearing the difference between the letter and the joy was profound. It just lit me up. It's actually been really fun. Um, I set up for Hanukkah Zoom calls with all of my family and friends, my dad the first night, my brother the second night, and then a lot of my friends, everybody wanted to join. So doing a lot of Zoom calls the other nights of Hanukkah. So thank you so much. I'm so excited, not just for the holidays, but honestly for just living a healthier life that is much more aligned to um, what I need. And at the we should also mention that what you guys didn't get was she actually sent us an email afterward where she showed us screenshots of her Zooms, her Zoom with her mother, um, the, the different nights of Hanukkah that she did with her friends. Um, it was so touching. It was, it was so amazing. touching. Yeah, we got so much. And, and so many times we get an update. In addition to the update you hear, people will send us an update later on about what happened. And somebody had actually asked, 
Will there be longer term updates? And we are thinking about doing that because it's, it's really interesting to see what happens right away in terms of an update. But we get longer term updates and we'd love to share those with you as well. The other person was Sharina. I think that made uh-huh. a lot of progress because she started out coming to us and she's heartbroken. She's really into this guy still. She's really pining for this man. And truly by the end of the episode, she was, I think, over him. She wasn't over the pain and the loss. And that's what we tried to help right. her separate. You know, are, are you are you feeling the grief over losing this guy or are you feeling this longstanding? She'd always felt alone in her life. So she had felt abandoned by her family. She had felt alone in her family. Um, she had never really felt loved in the way that she, in this reciprocal way. And so it was really, you know, it was loss layered upon loss. It wasn't necessarily about this guy who, quite frankly, was not right for her. Um, and I think she was coming to see that. And so what is heartbreak really about? And when people go through breakups, there are so many layers to the loss. It's not just the loss of that person. It's the loss of the, the future that they had imagined together. It's the loss of the dailiness of having that companionship. It's the loss of the, 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 the whole story around the, the person and not just the actual person and the story, the historical story as well. Right. And that's what she did so well. She made that separation. She was not over the pain, but she was clear that this guy was not for her. So right. that, I think, again, in a very short amount of time was a lot of steps forward. And in terms of the person that I think um, made the most progress, again, I think everybody makes tremendous progress. Um, I thought that um, Mike's Messy Affair was the name of the episode. And he's the guy who came in and said, everybody thinks I'm terrible for cheating on my wife and leaving her for this other person. Um, and, and it's easy not to like him at first. And I think when couples come into us and there's been an affair, um, we need to join with both people because the person who had the affair is going to think, you know, they're very contrived or they feel very guilty or whatever it is, but they think I'm going to get slammed in here. I'm going to be the bad guy in here. And then you don't get to the why of the what. Um, and I think for Mike, it was, it was, you know, we, we very much empathized with the wife and the fact we were trying to get him to empathize with the wife who was left. And it was very hard to get him to perspective take at first, but when he did, and we did it through the, through the friend, we came in the back door with him because he said, my friends think this, and we thought it's going to be easier. And again, Guy and I are not communicating outside of what you hear. So we have to read each other. And we both kind of realized at the same moment, wait a minute, there's something here with the friend. Let's work with the friend first and why his friends are so upset with him. And if he can empathize with his friends and what they might be feeling, maybe then we can get him to empathize with the wife in a different way. But he had so much shame. And when you're shrouded in shame, you can't feel empathy for the other person because you're so busy defending yourself against I'm a bad person. And we're saying you're not a bad person, but you did do a bad thing. And there's a difference, right? You did mess up, but let's look at why. So you don't repeat this and and inflict this on your new partner. And so that you can have a better relationship with your ex-wife no matter how she processes this, and so that your kids have a different experience of this as well. Yeah, Mike, Mike was really impressive in that. He was game to go with us in a path that was really very, very difficult for him. And he was game and he was open and that was impressive. Right, and we, and we asked him to do these exercises. I think a lot of what we do in the podcast, and you'll see this in season two also, is we do exercises in the moment. You know, with that couple that we saw where they couldn't decide where to live, we had them do the paper exercise in the moment you know it was a little harder for you all to understand it i think because you couldn't see it the way we were seeing it but we narrated it like we were narrating like a, a sporting event like you know the play-by-play of it now he's got the paper now she's got the paper well right now there's no movement on the paper whatsoever 
It's very typical. There's a lot of discussion, but the paper's not moving. Well, we'll see. Sometimes what happens is nothing happens, and then they realize they have 10 seconds left, and then somebody just says, okay, you have it. <laughs> Now it's about a minute and 10 seconds. It has been. And they're still talking. Let's give them just a few more seconds. I just want to hear what they're saying. My thing is fundamental to who I am in some ways. Like, it's about how I got to who I am today and represents my past, present, present, and future. Gotcha. Can you tell me something like that about... Uh, it's uh, something of how I want to live my life into the future. I could probably get to... The next question we have is, did you two always agree or did you ever want to suggest different advice or, or a different approach? Um, you know, we don't always agree. And I think that's, that's the beauty of what we're doing is that you do get two different perspectives on the same issue. Um, and so what, I think that, that what we do do is we can see why the other person feels the way they do. And so you'll see us, you know, sometimes you'll hear in the podcast, you know, I'll say something and the guy will kind of, say yes and right and he'll have a different perspective or i will say yes i can see that and also let's look over here too so sometimes we do have different ideas and in terms of the advice i think that's why we often have different parts to the advice because some of it is like guy thinks this and i think this and we it's not that we disagree with the other person's approach because we wouldn't give the advice if we both didn't agree with it but maybe we both have different ideas about we think both of these things would be helpful In therapy, the way it works is that there are many threads that you can pull and, and they will all lead to similar places because they're all about the same person and how we relate and how we think. But you can get there via many different paths. And so when we disagree, it's not that we disagree on where we need to go. It's that that thread is more appealing to me, while that other thread might be more appealing to Laurie. And so she's trying to pull, you know, pull that one. I'm trying to pull the other one. We know we're going to the same place and then we'll find a way to just you know, get there. But but in, there are many different parts. And in therapy, we wouldn't have to have that pressure because we'll deal with this this week and we can, you know, deal with the other one next week. Here we have a, such a limited amount of time. That's where the pressure comes from. But also the excitement, I think, and the and the interest for us and really being on our toes in terms of, okay, what's the best way to get there in the time that we have? You know, that leads into the next question, which is what's the hardest part about being a therapist? Somebody asked. Uh, Um, okay. Um, for me, I, I, I think it's, it's a very, I mean, they, I find it extremely rewarding. I truly enjoy what I do. It's very isolated in the sense that, yes, you're talking with people all day. So you think like, wow, that's the most social job you can possibly have. But it's not because you're actually focused in a very, very specific way. You're not talking about yourself. You're not really relating in an equal way. And no one gets to see what you're doing. You're doing it in a room with a, with a closed door or these days with a Zoom with a closed door. And, and so, you know, no one gets to see if you did well, if you did poorly, you know, and, and that part feels isolating. And that's why this podcast for me is such a pleasure because I get to work with someone and see what Laurie does and she sees what I do and we get to do it together and it feels cooperative. And, and it, and it's a very unusual experience for a therapist to be able to work side by side with someone regularly. It, it feels great. Like it, it, so yeah. that part is truly enjoyable. And, and I think that what we're doing is we're bearing witness to people's lives. And, you know, that, that's in, in my book. Maybe you should talk to someone. I'm trying to show that experience, but it's on the page. And I think here with Guy, you have two people who are bearing witness to your life. And people have been so generous with us. I mean, we so appreciate 
that they are so open and they trust us and they're willing to go there with us, even though we don't have any pre-established relationship like we do with our patients normally. And and they just, they, they go right into it with us. It's it's such a privilege and, and really an honor. And, and I think that one of the hardest things then, to go back to the question, is that we get very attached. You know, we really, on the one hand, we really want to help them. So there is, I wouldn't say there's pressure so much, but I think there's very much a caring and a wanting to say, I wish I had more time with you. I wish I could do more, but here's what we can do today on this podcast. Um, And I think the other part that's hard is just that we can't, uh, we might see something and we're ahead of them because we're not living that experience. Um, And we really want them to get to a certain place so that they can live, you know, an easier life. They can navigate things more smoothly. And we can't push them too quickly because it will backfire. We always talk about timing and dosage, right? So what do you say at that time? And then how much do you deliver? What's the dosage that you deliver? On the podcast, it's completely recalibrated. And that's one of the joys, I think, that we don't get in the same way in the therapy room because we have to approach it differently. They're a little bit different. There's a, there's a concept in therapy in terms of you have to time your intervention. Somebody has to be ready to hear what you're saying, especially if it's going to be counter to something they feel or think or believe. We don't have that luxury. And unfortunately, neither do the fellow travelers who come on our podcast. We're going to tell it to them very directly, whether they're ready to hear it or not. Now, we will try and save in a way that will be easiest for them to hear. But we are delivering the news that will probably take us a long time to deliver and set up and create readiness for. In a therapy context, we're allowing ahead with it very, very directly now in in the podcast. And and so I think it's what makes it very, very vibrant. But it's also different a little bit from therapy in that it's a little kinder and gentler the process. If anyone feels like, oh, that seems a little scary if that's what therapy is, it's a little kinder and gentler. Yes, it's, it's what it is, but, but it's, a, it's a little kinder, a little yeah, gentler. Yeah, we're very, little... very direct in, in the podcast by necessity. And, and I think that it's helpful for people, you know, in this context, because they know that that's what they're signing up for. So, so just know that if you're going to therapy, it's, you know, it, it'll be a little more kinder and gentler. But I think right. we are kind. I think that we're just more Oh, absolutely. Try yeah. very hard to be um, but it's also liberating for me. I don't know about you, Lord, but for me, it's a little liberating to be like, I don't have to wait a few weeks to be able to say the thing that I know I'm going to have to say. I'm just going to say it now. And now, again, kindly and considerately, I hope. But there's something liberating about you lay all out. Everything you have to give them, do it now. Yeah, I think also with two people, I think there's a sense of they can feel our love, right? And they can feel that, you know, if one of us says something very direct, there's the other person to kind of be there to hold them. So if, if right. guy, if you say something very direct, I will then be the person to hold them. And if I say something very direct, then you come in and you're there to hold them. And I think that's something that's really beautiful about the tag teaming that, that gives us the forum to do that. That gives us the ability yeah. to be that direct. It's like good cop and good cop. Like there's no bad cop. <laughs> yes, yes. There is no bad cop here. It's a very safe space. That's what we're trying to create for people. You're listening to Dear Therapists from iHeartRadio. We'll be back after a quick break. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. We do have a question about, do we have any episodes that focus on trauma? And I want to say about that, that, you know, I I talk a lot about the hierarchy of pain, that there is no hierarchy of pain, that pain is pain. And so I think that a lot of people feel like what they experienced isn't traumatic enough to, to, to say, you know, like we had so many episodes where look at the divorce, the, the, um, Shannon who came in and she said, you know, I've been through this divorce. This is very abusive relationship, a very emotionally abusive relationship. I would call that trauma. I think she knew in her body because she was having that reaction that she had experienced trauma, but she was, was so reluctant to call her experience trauma. Molly, um, experienced trauma. Her father committed suicide and her mother said, you know why he did it? It was because of you. That's trauma. Um, yes. so a lot of us say, well, I function really well and I'm really successful at my job or I have a good job and I have good friends and I, I have a roof over my head and I have food on the table. So I, I haven't really experienced trauma. Trauma is like, you know, something catastrophic that you can name it and you can pinpoint it. And sometimes trauma is um, Jeff who lived with critical parents his whole life, right? Um, there's trauma in that. So so I think when you say, have you dealt with trauma? We would love your letters. If you have an experience, please send them to us for season two. We've taped about six of the 20 so far. We've got 14 more to go. Please um, send us your letters. If there's a, an event and you want us to deal with trauma in a more direct way, please send us your letters. Um, but I think that you can hear that. And not that everybody experiences trauma. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that sometimes people minimize their experiences. Um, and I think it's important to label them because they think it helps you to move past them. It doesn't, it, 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 I think when people don't label them, they stay stuck in that. And when you're able to label it, you're able to say, oh, yes, that was my experience. And now you can say, now what? And you can move forward. One, one question here, just, it's, a, it's just a, one that made me laugh. And I'm not even sure why, what that question is about is, is Guy Winch Wendell from your book, Laura? And <laughs> okay, we can, we can tell you the answer is no. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very much so a no, funny. because I think the last thing a therapist would do, um, Wendell in, in Laurie's book is, is the therapist that she goes to. I think the last thing the therapist would do is go, okay, we're done with the therapy. Want to do a podcast together? That would be fun. That's not, that's not what one would do. So I, I, I just thought it was funny. 
I also think it's very funny that based on the physical description that I gave of my therapist, Wendell, in the book, that they said, he looks like Guy Witch. That's very funny to me. Um, Guy does not wear cardigans, if you notice. He doesn't have cardigans with a little elbow patch. Um, <laughs> so no, Guy Guy is not is not my therapist. Although sometimes in our conversations, um, you know, in our private conversations, I think we can be a therapist to each other. We're really a friend to each other. But I think we're we're very good people to bounce situations off of. And then I think we have a, a good question here since we're going we're gonna to wrap up soon. Somebody asked, teach us how to be a good listener. We can't all be therapists, but we need to learn how to listen and empathize. Um, that is such a great question. So, first of all, how to be a good listener is active listening is considered when you are actually truly listening to the person, not trying to plan what you say back or what story you have that relates to it, but you're really trying to listen to them and you're reflecting that both in words and in body language and in follow-up questions. And body language is important, verbal, nonverbal, when you're nodding, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, when you're saying, oh, wow, so that sounds really difficult or that sounds really painful or, oh, I didn't realize that was so upsetting to you. Anything like that conveys that, no, I'm listening and I'm reacting to what you're saying. Too often people just listen and they are listening, but they don't say anything. And then they're like, oh, bummer. It doesn't convey that you are really listening. It's not satisfying to the other person. So active listening really means that you're conveying to the other person, really showing them that you're hearing what they're saying. Somebody said, can you give some examples? So some examples would be this. So especially in couples, um, but anybody who comes to you, right? Um, first of all, I would always say to someone who comes to me as a friend, not as a therapist, but somebody who comes to me as a friend, um, I might say, you know, they're coming to me with something. I might say, you know, how can I be helpful in this conversation? Do you just want to vent? Do you want me to brainstorm solutions with you? Do you want to hear what, I, what I'm honestly thinking right now? Or do you want to save that for later? Um, what is it that, that would be really helpful? Do you just want to hug right now? Do you just want someone to hear you? Do you want to just feel understood right now? That is a great place to start. People don't tend to ask that. And so they give the wrong thing. They think that they're being a helpful listener, but they're actually providing something that the person coming to them is not wanting in that moment. And they're not giving the thing that the person is wanting in that moment. So what you see with couples is you see someone will say something and um, and the person is thinking, oh, I'm feeling criticized by what they're saying right now. So I am going to answer with, oh, yes, I can see how you feel that way. And now let me tell you why everything you just said is invalid. <laughs> right? Um, you know, and, and so if they say the first part at all. Right, right. So it invalidates, it, it makes it makes you not trust that they actually do understand you. But then you then you lodge a defense, right? Um, so really, really listening is being able to understand what that person is experiencing without agreeing to it. So it doesn't mean that you agree that that is your experience too. You agree that that is their experience. So you're not saying, yes, I understand. And that was my experience. You're saying, I see that that was your experience. I can see, I can understand that you're not crazy. I can understand that you felt that way. Even though I have a different experience, I understand that. What you just said, what you described just now, Lori, is emotional validation. Emotional validation, people are afraid to do it sometimes because they feel if I say, I understand why you feel the way you do, and of course you feel that way. It means, therefore, I must I must have been the bad person who made you feel that way. Or I was responsible for that. Those are very, very separate things. And these quick example I'll give, which is a silly one, but it'll be clarified. Like, I can understand why you were annoyed and upset that I was half an hour late to the movie. And then you can add, but your email did say 7.30, not 7. 
And so you are actually saying it wasn't my fault, but you can start by saying, but I understand how upsetting it was to wait for me to half an hour and not know where I am. So those are very separate things. So, so many times when people are listening, they feel blamed. So someone says like, you know, I'm hungry. And the person says, what, you didn't like the dinner I cooked? Right. <laughs> you know, it's those kinds of those kinds of things. I think also with active listening, um, you really you really it's it's not so much about what you say. It's about how you are, how you sit with the person. And you can use three words that are very helpful when you don't know what to say or you feel like, oh, they're in so much pain and I really want to help them right now, but I don't know how. You simply say, tell me more and they will tell you more. And you sit with them and you sit with their experience and you breathe and you try to stay with them and not with you and you breathe and then they say something more and you're really listening and you will start getting interested in what they're saying because you're not so much in your head now, but you're really sitting with them. You're really present with them. You're really connecting with them. And you keep saying, oh, tell me more, say more. We do that all the time as therapists. It's not not like a, a technique. It's a way of actually making sure that you are present with the person as talking. Okay, so then we had some questions about when does season two start and what can we expect from season two? Season two is going to start sometime in the spring. We don't quite know when yet because we're still taping episodes and there are other kind of production issues, but it'll be sometime in the spring uh, for sure. And we'll let you know ahead of time when that will be. Um, So keep sending letters because we still have a lot of episodes to tape. Also, I just wanted to say that we will be doing a few other Instagram lives where we dive more deeply into a particular episode from season one. So we would love you to let us know on Instagram, like a book club, but a podcast club. If you want us to focus on a particular episode, which episode would it be? And we will do a very deep dive behind the scenes on that particular episode, because we really feel like it's one thing to listen to an episode once. But then when you've heard more about it and you, and you kind of examine it a little bit more and then you go back and listen again, you're going to hear all kinds of things that you didn't hear the first time and you'll get so much more out of that episode. So I think these episodes are meant to be listened to multiple times. Um, and I think having a discussion and a deep dive into a particular episode is very, very helpful. And into the issues that that episode presents because we, you know, we have a slice of an issue with the episode, but we can then expand a little bit more about that issue in general and talk about it in a, in a broader context as well. So we, we hope to hear from you so we'll know what your preferences are in terms of which one of those, which of the episodes you would like us to do that deep dive in. Yeah. And another example of that is I think, um, you know, there was that the um, Haley's perfect sister. And somebody wrote on Instagram today that that was really powerful in, in, in seeing how she could take back her power. And we get so many questions about siblings. Um, we get so many letters about them. And so we never know, you know, when we were thinking today, we deep dive into one particular episode. We thought, let's just talk about season one in general. But next time we really want to spend the time talking about one particular episode that really resonated and and helping people to kind of unpack that one so they can go back and listen to it a little bit differently and get even more out of it. And we just want to say too, with season two, please submit your letters to Lori and Guy at iHeartMedia.com. And um, thank you all so much for listening, for sharing. Please send specific episodes that you think would help a friend or family member to those people. You know who they are. And 
please continue to rate and review us. That's what got us back on season two. It's what will get us back for season three because we only have 14 more to tape for season two. And there's so many more letters we want to get to. So the more you can um, add to the ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, the more it helps us continue to do the podcast for you. So thank you so much. And we hope that everyone is staying healthy and in mind and in body and we'll get through this uh, still difficult times that we're having. And we very much look forward to help you by, you know, giving you our best advice and sharing our thoughts and, and really hoping that you can use them to better your lives. During COVID, I think people have felt so isolated and disconnected and alone. And I think people feel alone in their problems anyway, because people don't really talk about them. And what we do on the podcast is we talk about them so people can say, oh, it's not just me. Oh, look at this. This is such a universal issue. And what the thing that I love about during COVID is that so many people have gone on walks just to get outside, connect with nature, um, get exercise, get those endorphins going. So good for your emotional health. And they've taken us along and they've said, you've accompanied me on so many walks. And I feel like it just it brings us so much joy to know that people are taking care of their emotional health or getting outside. They're connecting, they're listening to the podcast, they're taking care of themselves. So thank you all for really taking seriously what we're trying to do here and what our mission is. We so appreciate it. And we will see you soon. Hey, fellow travelers. If you've used any of our advice from the podcast in your own life, send us a quick voice memo to Lori and Guy at iheartmedia.com and tell us about it. We may include it in a future show. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please help support Dear Therapists. You can tell your friends about it, and we'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Your reviews help people find the show. You can follow us both online. I'm at LoriGottlieb.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at LoriGottlieb1 or on Instagram at LoriGottlieb underscore author. And I'm at GuyWinch.com. I'm on Twitter and on Instagram at GuyWinch. If you have a dilemma you'd like to discuss with us, big or small, email us at laurieandguy at iheartmedia.com. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. We're produced and edited by Mike Johns. Special thanks to Samuel Benefield and to our podcast fairy godmother, Katie Couric. Dear Therapist is a production of iHeartRadio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.